Talking rugby, telling stories, rugby pick. Welcome to Rugby Pick'em. Welcome back to Rugby Pick'em. It's Marcus Afia, Barry Herbert, bringing you in with none other than the legend himself, Mr. Brendan Bichet. Rugby Pick'em. There it is, guys. The growl. Can't miss the growl. Brendan Shea. Is there a dog in here? It's, it's, it, we, we come to like that. We come to like that. I tell you what, Barry, there's a couple dogs in the front row right now. <laughs> Let's break down the key position matchups we have going on in this final. Let's start with the big boys. The props up front. Uh, we could do the whole front row. Uh, but for right now, the English side has been consistently going with Maku Vinopola and Kyle Sinkler as their Titan loose heads. And the South Africans have going, been going with the Beast, Matawawira, and Malherby. Do you think the selections will remain the same in the final? Um, I think it, all, it depends on a couple of factors here. Certainly for South Africa, we're going to have one less day turnaround. It's uh, Malherber. Malherber. I, yeah. I'm trying to make him Irish. <laughs> From no, Malherby. It's, Mal, it's actually Malherber. Malherber, <laughs> but there you go. So yeah, I, I I think it'll all it'll depend very much on how his boys pull up after the semi. He'll be tempted to switch it up because he knows he could play uh, Kitzoff and Koch to start no problem. Um, if he feels that Beast's workload has been just that bit too much, but actually sub Beast quite early, he should be good to go. Um, you know, and I think Malherbe has also been sub reasonably early and should be good to go again. So I, I would imagine he'll keep those four props uh, the same. So, Eddie Jones likes Vunapola and Sinclair, who yeah. are okay scrummagers, but this dude Kyle Sinclair in the open field, he's got hot feet. That's mm. what we like to say for a, for a prop who can move. He's got some hot feet, he gets around the park, and, uh, you know, yeah. I've been surfing the internet a lot today, and apparently there's a blogger out there who just makes a blank rugby's biggest thug video, and Kyle Sinclair had his own video. He likes to get in there, a little extracurriculars, you know what I'm saying, Barry? Maybe gouge an eye here or there, but uh, he's a tough nut. He's going to be giving the Springboks everything up front. Well, we'll see. I mean, he's... Uh, he's tiny, too. <laughs> no, he does not look tiny to me. No, no. Uh, Vinipola, great ball carrier. Um, you know, he's had, he's had some injury troubles as well. Uh, just before this, I think it was last year, he got hurt again. Uh, but he's held up well, and he's playing very well and carries beautifully for them. You're right, not the best scrummers. So uh, those four guys on the South African side are all outstanding scrummages, and that's where we will have an advantage over England. Now, England does have their majority of their scrum strength on the bench, and, and we can only, because it's Tuesday, go off the semis selection, but Joe Marler and Dan Cole, who aren't as savvy in the open field, but yeah. can win you a scrum in well, the I 60th, think, I, I, 70th minute. I think, I think Eddie might be tempted to switch his props around this week, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it depends. You know, there'll be a bit of show and tell. Are they, you know, how... More are, Eddie mind games? Yeah. And also, how are they holding up? You know, how, I mean, the boys have been both... All these teams have been through a brutal quarterfinals, semifinals. Um, everybody's going to be carrying some sort of a niggle somewhere. And the fitness staff need to do their jobs now and, and figure out who is really still good to go, you know? Now, English have a fifth name that didn't make the squad last week uh, in Ellis Ginge, uh, but we'll see 
if Eddie wants to change it up at all, he's more craftier in the open field as well as the mm. U.S. saw when he picked off a mall and went about 60 yards running over Blaine Scully in the process. Um, <laughs> the, the, the props and, and hookers will have a battle. We, we talked a bit about the hookers last time. We can go over them real quickly. It's basically Bongi and Marks. Yep. And Jamie George has been the consistent starter for England. Again, an open field guy. It's like Eddie likes his big boys capable in that open field for anything. Yeah. I mean, I can't see him making the change, but I know that he would love to have Scott Brits on the bench for a World Cup final. Oh, just I just, just, cap. just the, just the, I, I don't know. Like he must be trying to figure out somehow how to get Scott Brits onto the bench for this World Cup final. Um, I don't know if he can, to be honest. But who knows? You know, there's a week of training that they're still going to get through. There may be some forced changes uh, after Wednesday. We don't know how everyone's pulled up. Dare we drop the M word? Moxie. <laughs> All right, so the loose. Yeah, yeah. England have an unbelievable set of loose forwards, and they're young, Barry. They're crazy young. Tom Curry, 21 years old from Sale Sharks, uh, also has an identical twin, uh, which is kind of crazy in itself, who plays for Sale. Uh, imagine the jealousy issues there when your brother goes <laughs> off and potentially wins a World Cup at age 21. Uh, but Sam Underhill, the troll, you got to pass the troll toll uh, to get past Underhill. Uh, he had a massive game against the All Blacks. And Billy Vinopola, if you don't know him, you haven't been watching English rugby lately. He's the heart and soul of their pack. But the Springboks, they, they have a loose forward crew that you wouldn't exactly sleep on, would you? No. Um, yeah, just to touch on that England uh, back row, I think uh, Underhill has been superb. Um, and he's a real brute and a real concern for us. And probably Colise is going to have to look after him. Um, Vermeulen and Vinopola for me is one of the big matchups of this of this game. Uh, with Reed, those three have consistently been the best number eights in world rugby for a long time now. And this will be a, a, a. I think whoever gets the has the better game out of those two will be on the winning side. Yeah, anything can happen, and uh, we have our favorite blondie African. Peter Steptitoy. Oh, well. Um, he looks a lot like the, and we'll get to that 07 game. Yeah. Stay tuned on Rugby Pick'em. Uh, but who was the the former Blondie open side who dominated in that game with the long, luscious hair? Oh, that would be one of my favorites. Thanks for asking. Skulk Berger Jr., one of the Springbok great uh, loose forwards of all time. I see a lot of uh, Steptitoy in him, especially... The way yeah. he played against Wales, he was all over the place. Yeah, he's 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 incredibly uh, incredible, and he, he started his career as a lock, and is actually very comfortable there, um, and has been consistently recycled into that blindside flank role. So really, he's your matchup with the Toje, who can do the same thing for England, and has done the same thing for England. Yes, so the four um, through eight, correct. So I think set. I think uh, Toje and uh, and Peter Steff, even though they are lock flank, are going to be keeping a very close eye on one another. Uh, and again, that'll be a huge duel. Um, the kid Curry not likely to have a free run either, but um, perhaps yeah, if, if we're going head to head contests, may go a little undetected. <sighs> Maybe. Can you imagine Maybe. as a 21-year-old, though, going on that type of run? I mean, there's other guys that are 22, 23 on the team, but there's something about just flat-out 21 yeah, years old. Yeah, he's terrific talent. So, it's no, we, we, we can't take him lightly. 
Uh, we've got Francois Lowe coming off the bench as well. And how valuable was he in the semi-final with that experience? Initially giving away their penalty, but quickly redeeming himself uh, and a second time. So you got to spend money to make money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He didn't cover himself in glory, but he certainly did. It's with the quickest makeup for a mistake you've ever seen and uh, how valuable it was. Let's head to the backs, the centers in general. We know typically where 12 and 13 go, but they match up against each other. They cover each other's channels. We have Owen Farrell, Manu Tulagi against Damien Deolende and Lucanio Arm. Well, the, again, here's the big matchup. Two of the best players in the tournament in, uh, in Tuilagi and Damien Delandi. Um, okay, they wear the 12 and the 13 on their back. But you're right, they will come up against each other and again will be fighting for game line dominance. Um, Delandi's got a couple of strings to his bow, but one of his most effective is not the prettiest. It's the old head down Maori sidestep. But he's perfected this technique of being able to drop his head below his hips and literally run like a, like an NFL linebacker, and, and, you know. A rhinoceros. Exactly. Uh, and he scored an unbelievable try, cute commentary, <laughs> uh, in the semi-final. And I'm so delighted for him because he didn't kind of have a lot of uh, fans coming into this tournament, but he's proved them all wrong. Well, from what I've seen, Tulagi's always been an offensive threat, but mm. against New Zealand, I'll reiterate it, he shot yeah. up the channel and he made... Aaron Smith's backdoor ball completely useless because yeah. by the time Smith threw the ball behind his forward path, he was already suffocating Goodhue, Anton Leonard Brown. He was already there and he just shot up. And maybe Eddie saw that on film and exploited it. But Absolutely. Tulagi's got unbelievable no, sense of rugby. England and South Africa both defend very, very well and, and, and use the rush defense to good effect and the press defense and the parabola defense, as we like to call it sometimes. Down school of mines, because you got to talk engineering talk with, the, with yeah. these guys. Huh? So parabola give them a language they understand. Give, it's talk their language. So parabola defense, but um, no, both teams very good at closing down space. So I expect this to be a massive game line battle, and uh, a bit of a penalty fest to be honest, um, with a possible breakout here and there. Um, but no, if you're looking for a good bet, you go under that thirty-eight and a half points that they're offering for the final. Yeah. No, I don't think I don't think there's been a final that's gone over thirty eight and a half points and offering that line. So. Except the last one. Except the last one. Yeah, <laughs> and it's not New Zealand playing Australia. So. so let's move on to a potential fifteen battle, and I, this is where I actually think England's got the edge. Elliot Daly in the air against Willie Larue. We we called him <laughs> hot, hot and cold Willie last week, and he really was that in the semi. Like. He had great moments, yeah. left foot, right foot, and then he just does things that you're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah, and Elliot Daly is pretty consistent in the air. I really like both back threes. Um, I actually think that this is the big difference between the England sides of today and the England sides of yesteryear is this back three that they've got right now. Um, they are, Ruth Johnny May is, is for me the best wing in the world right Gasman. now. I just he's a ruthless finisher, so he doesn't need much opportunity. Um, and uh, Daly is a class player. Um, I think that in Cheslin Colby, who by the way is going to be fit, boys and girls, that throws another spanner in the works. We have a fascinating contest brewing with Cheslin Colby on the right wing um, against Johnny May, the much taller, leaner, leaner, lankier against the quick little ferret who's no uh, slouchy when it comes to the aerial work he jumps incredibly high for a, such a short guy and very seldom misses a high ball himself so 
that is shaping up to be a, 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 a matched breaker. So if Rassi goes with Colby, he'll have to he pick Mapimpe or Nkosi. Where would you lean on? No, I think he'll pick Mapimpe, and I think um, Sabu might drop to the bench or out, uh, which would be very tough on Sabu if he goes that route. He may not. He may actually just bring Colby onto the bench for the last 20 and leave that team that won in the semis. To, uh, in one piece so that's his decision to make it's a tough decision I personally would very have, back heavy or yeah, sorry back light exactly and I, I would be tempted to break from that uh, and put an extra back on the bench this week just because we may not be able to dictate terms with our forwards only yeah um, let's end with the battle on the tee where we have a potential conflict barrier for the Palms we know Pollard's kicking off the tee after his uh, ice in his veins performance Owen Farrell started the tournament on the tee. Then Ford had a little go at it. Then Farrell got it back. Then Farrell got the start against Australia, where Eddie Jones just put Ford on the bench. Craziness. What happens when two egos like this, who apparently are, according to English sources, they're both team leaders. Farrell's got the C on his chest. But what happens when Ford lets Farrell know, uh, listen, Listen, friend, I'll, I'll be kicking today. How does that work? Does Eddie make that call? Or Pers- the personally, personally, I think he might start. Um, he might not start uh, Ford this week. Mm. I think he might start. Just from a defense point of view, seeing how hard Dialende and Pollard run at that channel with the with those other loose forwards on their hips. So he will know that whoever's played 10 is going to have one hell of an afternoon of tackling ahead of them. And he needs his best damn defender in there, which may, you know, that's one of his considerations. If he thinks Ford's up to the task and he believes his Ford pack is going to have enough, uh, but he would, I don't think he'll sit there and tell anyone straight in the eye, no, I think we're going to clobber the South African forwards. So you're saying keep Ford for the second half where you can use him tactically instead so. of lining him up th- at 10 I to take so. tackles. I think so. Because I did say Sinclair was a little guy, Barry. I yeah. meant in terms of height, he's a freaking yeah. beast with muscle mass, but uh, yeah. Ford is a little guy. But that opens up a spot in the centers for someone like Henry Slade, who's a, a much better defender. Uh, the you know, Kiwis call him uh, Henry Glassjaw Slade. There you go. Yeah. But he, he's he's a good he he's not like he's not the worst guy they could bring in from a defense point of view uh, to cope with Delendi as well. Well, we got and great I'm, matchups all over the park, but Barry, the ultimate head game matchup. And and oddly enough, as you and I, who are both rugby coaches, I can admit, rugby coaches don't have a lot of pull once that whistle goes. I mean, you do all your preps, you can make some game changes, but who has the coaching advantage this week? Uh, Eddie Jones has the coaching. This will be his third World Cup final. It was a bit of a leading question. Yeah. yeah well, Rassi's already conceded that. I mean, and obviously Eddie's been in three different camps. Um, this is his second time as head coach. He lost in 03 to England as Australia's head coach by a drop goal. Uh, he won in 07 as an assistant coach to Jake White in the Springboks. And here he is head coach of England who wobbled form-wise into this World Cup but certainly have turned it on all the way. Uh, so, yeah, he's definitely got the advantage. Uh, Erasmus, though, has a few aces up his sleeve as well. So... This will be very interesting how, so how it goes, selection-wise. And then the tactics that they employ, do they stay the same? Or does one coach decide they need to mix it up to win this one? Yeah, and at the end of the day, it comes down to the players on the field. It's going to be a massive game. If you don't plan on watching it because you live in a tough American time zone, boo-hoo, stay up Friday night, watch the game, remember where you were, jot down history. Barry, 
I'm wishing you the best. Well, thank you. And I believe we'll all be gathering at the Three Dogs Tavern on 32nd Avenue uh, in uh, the Highlands, Denver, um, at 3 a.m. again. Uh, so let's uh, let's get down there, support the box, huh? Uh, England fans, I'm sure there's plenty of other bars that'll have you guys. So, uh, <laughs> now all the best. Hope it's a great final, guys. Pick 'em, pick 'em. Certainly for South Africa, we're going to have one less day turnaround. It's uh, Malherbe. I'm, Malherbe. Yeah. I'm trying to make him Irish. <laughs> no, it's, Mal- it's actually Malherbe. <laughs> Malherbe, but there you go. segment referees have been named Barry you're getting your boy again old Jerome yeah um, we don't number talk four so get your hands away from the rook <laughs> we, we're not we're still not too sure about Jerome he managed to get through the semi-final without any major controversy didn't send anybody off didn't make any enormous mistakes apart from now one that they Welsh are calling uh, on a very important penalty but uh, by and large, he wasn't the talking point after the game. So uh, Nigel Owens has popped a hamstring, ladies and gentlemen, um, and he would have almost certainly left the final. Uh, but unfortunately uh, for Nigel, he's going to be watching with an ice pack on his hamstring, on his bum, uh, because uh, Jerome Garces, is <laughs> the South Africans, uh, he's, he's, he's made his way back into our, uh, you know, into our reasonably good books because we, we got through one and he, we thought he blew actually quite well. Uh, in the semi-final, which was nice. Um, so let's hope he does it again. Um, now, can we touch on something that we did not touch on, and it's your guy, and by mean your, I mean this South African notable ref, Yako Piper, who refed that thrilling quarterfinal red card match, France against Wales. And Barry, he took a little photo after the game, and in what clearly looked like a joke, and drunk Welsh fans who just ran up to him and put an elbow in his face, he takes his elbow, he makes fun of the red card, and that one goddamn photo goes around the internet, and now World Rugby investigate him. They basically pull this shot at getting a semifinal or final. I think it's complete bullshit. I think you can't have fun anymore because of the internet. I don't know how the hell these professional athletes live their lives with all the fucking scrutiny they get. We're talking about a ref here, right? Can you imagine players and the scrutiny you get every day? Barry, have we have we just lost our minds or is World Rugby just overreacting to fucking crybaby fans who can't let a guy take a photo? Yeah, I think it's completely ridiculous. Um, yeah, World Rugby 
what are you doing, really? I mean, <laughs> the guy's out with a bunch of Welsh fans who are, you know, uh, just having a bit of a laugh. He's trying to, you know, he's having a laugh with them. They won't leave him alone. They've had about 35 beers and uh, they managed to get him into a photograph. And he, you know, come on, man. It's his Saturday night. He's out and about. He didn't instigate anything there. Uh, and I think it's just ridiculous that they've decided to effectively kick him out the tournament. Uh, did they give him the third, fourth? I have no idea. Who I mean, got the he third, might, fourth? He might show up. I, don't think, a, I think he's on a t- he's a touch judge in one, in one of those. Okay, so he didn't the get third, the third, fourth. fourth. Yeah, no. Which is unfortunate because, again, very good referee. Just stupid stuff, guys. I mean, what is he, a robot? You know, come on. The guy, he's a human being, and, and I, I really, it's just stupid. Here's a big picture question. In 2019, where the scrutiny is higher than ever... Do these refs really not want this game with all this potential? Think about it this way. A ref has a thankless job, Barry. You do an amazing job. The game ends 20 to 15. None of your calls were really swung at the other way around. Yeah. In your eyes, that's the best situation ever. But to everybody else, it's like, oh, who really remembers the ref? However... You make one wrong call, you swing the game the wrong way, you're the bum who forever blew it for England or who forever blew it for South Africa. It just seems like there's no... The risk-reward payout for refs in these high games kind of stinks because you can either blow it forever or not be remembered because you did a good job. Right. (laughs) So if you cast your mind back to the... Semi-final Scotland against Australia was quarters twenty fifteen was the quarterfinals. No, it was Craig Jubain. Oh, it was also the South African referee uh, who made a terrible blunder with the TMO in the seventy ninth minute with the offsides with the offsides thing, and there was a there was clearly something missed by him and the TMO. We didn't go to the TMO, but afterwards it was quite clear. That Scotland had been done out of a penalty or conceded a penalty when they should never have. I'll tell you what, that's what it, it was. It was an accidental offside. And instead of going to the TMO and yeah. seeing that it just ricocheted yeah, into an offside, right. it, it was a Scottish guy. It was a penalty yeah. to Australia and they kicked the points. And he just went, made the call and said, I don't yeah. need to see the TMO. Yeah. So it was a terrible exit. And, and unfortunately, Craig Joubert actually, there was so much hate mail and negativity directed towards him that he actually leave it to the Europeans he when he walked off the field that day uh, there was harassment at him um, it was an awful scene at the end of that uh, that game with the Scottish just livid um, and it, it didn't get any better because the following week once they'd analyzed the incident properly and pushed everything out on social media uh, the referee was just vilified and, and stepped down and, and, and didn't ref again in international rugby so uh, in fact, he went off and did sevens, uh, and he's very good at the seventh circuit. So it's sad, um, but when your team's on the receiving end, your fans are going to come out hard, and they're going to come out ugly, and the South African fans have been known to do that uh, often. Did you know the word fan is short for fanatic, yes. which means having no common sense, a, a blind loyalty? Yeah, no, but I think... I That's think, what we are as fans. I think that just getting back to the refereeing in the World Cup, though, um, initially... Very poor report cards coming in. A lot of shady refereeing in those pool games. Uh, maybe just because they're all very frenetic games and high-tempo games. Let's start with the Reese Hodge red that wasn't yeah, called. That would have yeah. changed the Fiji-Australia game. Exactly. So there was, there were, there, I mean, there were multiple questionable refereeing performances through the pools. Uh, fortunately, from the quarterfinals, things have tightened up quite a bit. And we haven't seen as many yellows or even red cards um, and through the quarterfinals, apart from obviously the crucial red for France. 
Um, that was the only one. And the so fortunately, is, that's the only one. Barry, the strange part is that was the one that didn't really in need a lot of ref insight. It's no. a very clear it was red card. Exactly that's so. what kills me about them investigating him on the picture. It's like, he didn't really have to make that call. So That call was made for him by the player. And typically when a player gets a red and it's a little controversial, uh, then the ref's under even more scrutiny. You know, shouldn't it have just been a yellow? Why a straight red? You know, so... Um, no, it's been great, actually, that, that we haven't been talking about the referees uh, that much uh, through the quarterfinals and the semifinals. Certainly, South Africa would have been happy with Garces, and you're as good as your last game, so I hope he's good <laughs> Can you survive another Garces game? Yeah, we'll we have to. Well, we can. I mean, as, if we scrum like we scrummed against Wales, um, if we play in the right areas like we did against Wales, if we dominate the game line like we did against Wales, and we catch them on the breakout, and Pollard kicks everything, and a few other things go right for us, then yes, absolutely. It's quite a Christmas wish list. It's a long list. Here, but, I'm but, sure uh, I say a Halloween wish I'd list. I'd say pretty much all of that's got to come right in order for the Springboks to win. So, um, yeah, it's a long, it's, it's a tall order, but no, we can do it. Russ, cheers to you. Shitty job. Yeah. No pay. Yeah, well, I mean... Well, I wouldn't say hope, no pay, no let's just hope Jerome. Let's hope Jerome has... I mean, I don't care, you know, if, as long as we're not talking about Jerome after the World Cup final, it'll be a success. <laughs> Sam Underhill, the troll. You gotta pass the troll toll uh, to get past Underhill. Johnny Mayers is for me the best wing in the world right Gas now. Man. 